your hormones see, oh, there's a tiger. Do I hit it on the head or run away? And so over time, that high performance lifestyle, if you're not fueling your body properly and getting the counterbalance, it's going to show up and it could show up as weight gain. It could show up as stinking thinking. It could show up as infertility. Hello and welcome to the Confidential Podcast, where we discuss and demystify life and everything that impacts it. I'm Simone Gisondi, author, health strategist, life transformation consultant, and overall life enthusiast. I dive deep into the fascinating world of life with each show. Each episode features in-depth conversations with experts, thought leaders, as well as personal stories and experiences that will bring the world around us to life. Whether you're a curious newcomer or a passionate enthusiast, come with me on a journey of discovery and enlightenment. Tune in every week and join me as I demystify all things that touch life. Hello, everybody. What's going on? Today's show is all about weight loss and looking good and amazing. No, of course, I'm joking. Today's show is not actually about that. It's about fertility and how naturopathic medicine can help you if you are looking to conceive. My guest today will teach you about how to implement the principles of naturopathic medicine if you're working on conceiving and on becoming a parent. Let me introduce you to her. She is an amazing human being, far beyond what what her uh, professional achievements are, but those are not to be eclipsed. So she's a dynamic and inspirational naturopathic doctor. She's an amazing teacher, and I know I'm biased because I learned from her. I was her student, and she left such an impression on me. She stands out so much in my mind, which is why I reached out to her to interview her, and I really think you will benefit so much from what you're going to hear her say. She's a world traveler. She's joining us from Hawaii right now. How amazing is that? She has an amazing passion for holistic health and wellness. She's got about 25 years of clinical experience. Can you guys imagine 25 years? That's about a like a quarter of a decade. You can accumulate a lot of wisdom and knowledge in that time. She's an undergraduate degree from in nutritional sciences, and she studied at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine right here in Toronto, where I'm joining you from. She earned her certification in naturopathic medical education, so she can teach, and she taught courses even at the naturopathic nutrition and sports nutrition in the college that she got her ND from, and she currently still teaches. She's an amazing teacher, I told you guys. She was also the recipient of an award for excellence in clinical nutrition and for very good reason, because I'm telling you guys, I learned a lot from her. And then she went on to pursue certification in hypnosis through the National Guild of Hypnotists. I have an affinity for that because I went through uh, hypnotist school too. She became a certified yoga instructor. She did additional training in acupuncture and traditional Asian medicine at, and I know I'm going to probably botch this, but Zhejiang Hospital and Hangzhou, China. She could tell us more about that. And she also meets the current standard of practice for prescribing. So she, she prescribes and she maintains a family practice in Toronto, is a member of the Ontario Association of Naturopathic Doctors, as well as the Canadian Association of Naturopathic Doctors. So both at provincial level, as well as at federal level, she is committed to communicating naturopathic principles and philosophies, which she 
is amazing at, and she regularly teaches courses in naturopathic nutrition, meditation, and personal development. And I will tell you, she is an amazing woman and she's achieved so much. So personal development is probably right at the top of her expertise. She has extensive public lecturing and is involved with various organizations and support groups, including the Canadian Cancer Society and the Canadian Mental Health Association. She has published articles in Upper York, Living Well magazine, has been featured in Life Peak and Eastern magazine, and so much more that I'm going to let her tell you about, because she has told me a little bit about what else she's achieved, and then we'll dive into fertility. Tell us, Dr. Val, what else have you achieved? You told me briefly about that. You traveled through, uh, I believe you said Italy, which is so amazing. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, I, it's just such a joy and a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, we have such a, a great connection uh, from our past. Um, and so I, I'm just so honored to be able to see you stepping into your light and, and sharing your podcasts. They've been amazing, amazing for their information and their clarity. So congratulations on all of your success thank as you well. For that. Thank you for that so much, Dr. Val. But, uh, but yeah, so my, my life has been a lot of uh, blessing and a lot of fun. So um, yes, I, I taught at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. I've um, more recently stepped away from the full-time teaching there um, because um, gone on to pursue a little bit more in terms of um, other, other roles for helping to promote natural uh, medicine. So I'm a very big uh, passionate. I have a, a big passion, as you know, for naturopathic medicine and naturopathic nutrition, holistic nutrition. And there's so much information out there that I, people just don't know about. And I think that there's so much that we can do when we have the abil ability in the space to work with other people. And so um, very much my practice now, um, I've been fortunate enough to work with um, Vanuatu's women's beach volleyball team. And so I was uh, their team doctor. Um, and so we recently, they did a, a pro tour um, through, uh, basically through Europe, I joined them through Italy. And then they were at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, and I was able to be there in Birmingham for the Commonwealth Games to support them. Um, and they won the bronze medal. So very exciting time. Um, so, you know, definitely with respect to talking about fertility and hormone balance, you know, I love working with, um, with high performers, with women who have a go, go, go lifestyle. So whether it's an elite athlete, whether it's a professional athlete, whether it's what I call uh, uh, an MEO, a mommyo, right? So a mom who has, you know, three or four kids, or even if it's just one and you're up in the morning and then you've got to work and then you're doing everything for your child and you're, you're the CEO of like everything. Thing. So those, those are what I call my MEOs, my mommyos. Um, and so just working in that space of human optimization, how do you perform at your best? How do you hit those elite levels of success? What does success truly look like and mean to you? All of those spaces, the hormonal piece is absolutely uh, critical. The mind-body-spirit is absolutely critical. And we were talking a little bit before we kind of um, we started recording, and we were talking about how you know in in my past, uh, yeah, I've been in practice for for quite some time. And early on in my practice, I worked a lot with fertility, and the principles that I learned from working with women who were having challenges in terms of becoming pregnant are the same principles that apply to women who have a go 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 lifestyle, or what I like to call a high performance lifestyle. 
because you're going to hear as, as a woman, when you go in and you kind of start to look at what's happening with respect to fertility, one of the things that they're first going to do is rule out anything physical, but then they're also going to say, well, sometimes we can't figure out why this is happening. Uh, and then that's where that's where the stress component, the mind, body, spirit component, that's where the little fine tuning of the hormonal imbalances kind of come into play. And it's like, OK, you don't have a disease. You're not out of the normal range, which is great. Now, this is the area where we like to play. And that high performance lifestyle, I don't want to say uh, being stressed because everybody's busy. Everybody's go, 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 go now. That's a high performance lifestyle. So if you're living that high performance lifestyle where you're on the go, you're doing this, then you're going there, then you're going here, then you've got this to do. You've got 8 million things in on the go, all of these deadlines, you could be loving it and it could be fueling who you are. And with high performers, it always kind of does, right? You kind of get that rush and that juice of, I want to do this next, right? But your hormones don't see it that way. Your hormones see, oh, there's a tiger. Do I hit it on the head or run away? And so over time, that high performance lifestyle, if you're not fueling your body properly and getting the counterbalance, it's going to show up. And it could show up as weight gain. It could show up as stinking thinking. It could show up as infertility. And so I think those are the areas that, you know, for probably for the majority of the people listening to your podcast, they're probably going to fall in this area. So fertility is obviously uh, in large part, aside from the fact that anatomically and physiologically, we have the, um, the organs related to it. Uh, those organs are governed by, uh, by our hormones. And we have to obviously optimize the body to be able to make sure that the, those hormones stay in proper balance that is conducive to fertility. Am I right in, in assuming that? Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, what has happened uh, over time is um, as women have gained um, more and more um, credibility in the workspace, right? If we think about what's happened over the last 50 years, how women were viewed in the workplace, where, where they are, where women are now, we have so many women who are stepping into those high powered careers, those high powered roles, um, who are, are, you know, working and feeling fulfilled with their careers, who are studying, you know, and, and wanting to have everything. I think you can have everything. You shouldn't, you should never compromise. I'm a yes and woman. You can have it all. Okay. You're the perfect let's, example of that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. And let's go do it. But you got to make sure that you're fueling your body properly because what's ended up happening with a lot of the conversations that I have with women is that sometimes they almost feel like they forget that their hormones really can affect their, their moods. They, they, kind of have been saying, well, yeah, hormones aren't going to, you know, we used to have this bad thing about, oh, you're, you're PMSing, you're hormonal, and that's why you're emotional. And, you know, we've gotten away from that, which is a great thing and very healing. But at the same time, I think that a lot of women have forgotten how powerful the effect of hormones are on the body and how powerful the effect of the mind is on the, those molecules of emotion, right? And, and those molecules of, of hormones. And so when we take a look at hormones, I think the first conversation to have is what makes the difference between uh, how a naturopathic doctor looks at hormone balance and fertility versus how a medical doctor looks at hormones and fertility. Right. Because 
medical doctors, um, exceptionally well-trained, very brilliant. They are fantastic at what they do and they have a scope of practice. Naturopaths, same thing. We have a scope of practice. And what that means is we have an area that we do really, really well. And so when medical doctors are looking at hormones, they're looking at, do you have a disease process? And they're also going under a model of the body is like a machine. And so if we're looking at hormones, you see an endocrinologist. If you have knee pain, you're going to see an orthopedic surgeon. You know, they're separate. For the naturopath, they're not. And it's like, yes, we can look at what's going on. Do you have a disease state? Very important to rule that out. But then naturopaths also take a look at the cellular health. And we kind of say, well, what's optimal? And how are these hormones supposed to be balanced in time and during specific times of your cycle? And then how are different aspects of the other systems of the body affecting that? So we take a holistic approach. You've probably heard this tons of times, but what that really means is that when naturopaths and holistic nutritionists look at the body, we look at the body like it's an ecosystem. One system flows into the next, flows into the next, flows into the next. And so if your liver isn't detoxifying well, it could look normal on a liver function test and still not be optimal. But if it's not doing its job, that's going to keep estrogen around a little bit longer than it should. And then you can throw off the ratio of estrogen to progesterone in different parts of the cycle. And so if those ratios, they can still be in a technically normal range. And your medical doctor may say, but this is fine. This is medically normal, but it's not optimal. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for that. Because one of the questions that I was going to ask you is what exactly distinguishes naturopathic medicine from tr traditional allopathic medicine? So that anybody who's uh, going to look for help, for medical help, so that they can be on a good path to conceiving naturally, properly within the time frame that they have allocated for that. How can they make those decisions uh, appropriately by distinguishing what can a naturopathic doctor do for me versus what can an allopathic medicine doctor do for me? Um, and I thank you so much for distinguishing that. Um, but what do you think that um, you've learned from being in the field of naturopathic medicine that people should know so that it can help them make their decisions when they seek uh, advice, help, information, things of that nature, so that they can sort of get on that path to parenthood. I think um, your, your statement, you know, how do I work with naturopathic versus medical doctor? First of all, it's not an either or, it's a yes and. So one of the things in working with elite athletes, in working with um, the Vanuatu's women's beach volleyball team, um, it's a team. You need people around you. And so the team, yes, there's the women on the team who are the players, but they've got coaches and they've got other people who work on the mindset piece and they have other people who uh, help in terms of like physiotherapy and nutrition and kinesiology. So there's a whole team that comes together to help get that medal. That medal didn't show up just by itself or just because those women were like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And they work together so tightly as a team. And so I love working with medical doctors because medical doctors are fantastic for 
a, a number of different reasons. They're just, they're, it's, it's a fantastic form of medicine. So you, you need to get that checkup. You need to get that, those things ruled out in terms of, you know, what's going on? Do you have a disease? Yes, no, let's do the ultrasound. Let's take a look. A naturopath can step in and can help in terms of coordinating that and, and quarterbacking it in a way. So we can take a look, we can do blood work, we can do hormonal testing, but we can do hormonal testing on a deeper level. And quite often we can take a look at things like thyroid function and say, okay, um, your thyroid might be in the normal range, but what's the ideal and optimal for actual conception and fertility? Because it's actually a very, very small window. And so we can work with vitamins, we can work with minerals, we can take a look at and assess well, how what's happening in all of the other systems. Are you digesting and absorbing properly? Uh, are you getting your nutrients properly? Are you, um, you know, what's happening with, with the liver? Are you, are you getting rid of these, these hormones? Are they in balance where they should be at all of the different points? And then we can help to nourish and nurture the body. So there's a, in terms of naturopathic medicine, we can look at nutrition, we can look at vitamins and minerals, we can look at support from um, that rebuilding process, we can look at herbs, and we, and we know which ones are safe and which ones aren't. And we can look at acupuncture and uh, Asian medicine as well. And so we can pull all of those packages together and all of that information together to say, okay, now, how do we get all of your systems running at not just a healthy level, like, okay, you don't have a disease. I think not having a disease is great, but it's not living, right? We all want to be optimal. We all want to look better, look younger, be sexier, right? And just have it all. And so you, you can have that. Your body, you don't have to force it into anything. You don't have to crunch anything. But working together with a naturopath and with a team um, that has a medical doctor as well, you can actually dial that in so that you reach that peak performance and those levels of optimization. And the brilliant and wonderful thing about doing that is when you actually start doing that, you can actually reverse the aging process. So you're actually doing anti-aging protocols while you're hitting excellence and peak performance. So for the, those women who are looking into fertility, they've probably heard of AMH levels, um, anti-Mullerian hormone. It, so that is something that's really interesting to take a look at because that your medical doctor will do that when you're looking at fertility and your medical doctor will look at that and say, okay, you know, what, what are these levels at? Because what they're actually telling us is about egg quality. How young or old are your eggs? How close are they to the expiration date? That's basically what the, that's saying. But there are things that you can do that help in terms of um, optimizing the body. And op when you're optimizing the digestion, cleaning out the liver, when you're putting in a lot of the antioxidant protocols, there are very specific protocols that you can do as supporting adrenal function. You know, as you're doing all of that, you're actually helping to reverse the aging process. And you can actually see changes and shifts in that anti-Mullerian hormone level. And you can also, if you know, uh, because I have women who come to me as well, who are like, okay, I'm not ready to get pregnant yet because I have these exciting things going on in my career, but I know that I'm going to want to. And so I want to actually start preparing now so that when I do want to get pregnant, it happens easily. So, okay, let's actually do some of those, those 
um, put those protocols in place to protect the eggs so that they they don't age more rapidly than they should and that we kind of decrease that that uh, aging process for them. So there's things that we can do on a cellular level and on even um, on an intracellular level that can really help in terms of facilitating that process. But it's really about getting the body back into peak alignment um, while you're living a high performance lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So would you say then that if you are going to, let's say, um, put these protocols in place and you obviously go through the process of detoxifying properly, your body goes sort of, um, because you said that it obviously also helps with uh, anti-aging or reversing aging. Can we then assume that the quality of the egg itself, because we're talking at cellular level, would also benefit from that? So its quality would improve as a result of these protocols. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So then you're in, in a better position to obviously conceive in a healthy baby with the, obviously the healthier egg and all of that in place. Yeah. And if you have to go for IVF, you're going to have better implantation and right. And you're going to have better egg quality. So when we're looking at fertility, um, what we're actually looking at is there's, you know, women's fertility and men's fertility, and both are equally important. You have to examine both. The sperm quality of the male is definitely affected by the foods they eat, if they're a smoker or not, um, what their stress levels are, what their testosterone levels are, um, you know, so this is actually a, a critical factor. And as a naturopath, we can actually take a look for men at testosterone and how it's happening during the day. So I actually had a patient who looks completely healthy and he's in his mid forties and he's just like, I'm really healthy. I exercise every day. Um, you know, I, yeah, I drink every once in a while, maybe a little bit more than I should. Cause you know, I, I have like a wife, I have some kids and I'm, you know, I'm in the office. I have my own business high performer, but he's like, I want to see what my body can do. Great. So we looked at his testosterone levels and his testosterone levels actually dipped in the afternoon and went really low. Uh -huh. And so I'm like, okay, so that, if that was, um, uh, someone who was wanting to get pregnant, right. That would affect sperm quality. Mm -hmm. And then what we actually looked at as well as we looked at his cortisol at four different times during the day, that's the stress hormone fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And it was off the chart. Now for men, if testosterone levels are too low, they can eventually become depressed and it could lead to a heart attack with cortisol levels being off the chart. I've never seen anybody with cortisol levels this high. And so I was like, okay, you're the guy that drops dead at 50 from a heart attack. And everybody looks at him and says, you're so healthy. How did this happen? Oh my goodness. So looking into those layers and kind of saying, okay, you know, for men, because quite often, you know, women, I see a lot of women who are going in for fertility treatments and they're like, well, we think it's me because the sperm quality and motility seem okay, or we're working on this and it's the woman coming in, but it's 50, 50. It really, you have to do both really for, for optimum health and well-being, And you've just got to look at some of those underlying factors. And so for women, we can do the same thing. We can kind of say, okay, what are some of your hormone levels doing? Not just estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, but what about cortisol? What about DHEA? What about melatonin? What are all of these things doing? Because all of those will have an impact on egg quality and sustainability as well. 
And yes, we want to look at thyroid function. We want to look at progesterone. Progesterone helps to build the uterine lining. So if you don't have enough progesterone, you're going to miscarry within the first three months. If you have low thyroid function or suboptimal thyroid function, so it can show up in the normal range, but not be optimal for, for conception, you'll actually be able to fertilize the egg, but then you, the egg won't implant. So it's almost like you'll maybe be a couple days late or, you know, you'll have like a, a, an early quote unquote miscarriage. You'll, you just won't, it won't be able to implant. So your menstrual cycle will continue to come on time or maybe a couple days delayed. So we can look at those areas that are obvious, but then the stress management piece, the cortisol piece, we want to take a look at what's happening in terms of, again, the egg quality, the sperm quality. And so as we look at all that and we optimize that for life, then what we're also doing is every area of mom's body is going to be improved. The cellular health, right? The ability when you do get pregnant and the baby's growing, you'll be able to nurture and nourish that baby. But then, do you know, you can affect collagen, the skin, so that you don't have to have so much stretch marks, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> So there's all of these things that you can do to help in terms of supporting the pregnancy afterwards as well. I worked with um, one woman who started to come to me when she was um, towards the end of her second pregnancy. And so during her, she had her first child and then um, she had a lot of difficulty losing weight uh, after that. Um, she wouldn't be able to drop. She wasn't able to drop the weight, maybe five pounds. Um, and this was a couple of years later. She had, she went for two years without being able to conceive again, and then finally was able to conceive. And then throughout the pregnancy was having a really rough time. So we started working together and she was having sciatica. We helped with that. She was having issues with respect to um, it just, again, uh, too much, a little bit too much weight gain. So we were able to have it so that by the time that she was able to deliver, um, she actually uh, had gained only 20 pounds during the entire, um, yeah, during the entire that process. Yes, that's great. And then at the same time, we were also, she had incredible fatigue, we were able to get rid of that. So she had a, a really enjoyable pregnancy and labor, birth and delivery. So that's so freeing. And through that process of discovery, you know, as we were talking, I was kind of like, hmm, I bet your prolactin levels are, are, are an issue. I bet they're too high. And that's probably why you didn't conceive. And that's probably why um, you, you, gain, you didn't lose the weight, right? So we looked at those prolactin levels and sure enough, they were uh, way higher than where they should have been. So we adjusted the prolactin levels and we did some protocols to help with that. And after her baby, second baby was born, the wonderful baby boy, she was able to drop the weight right away. She, within about a month, she was back down to her pre-pregnancy weight. And that didn't happen with the first one. So there's so much that you can do to improve as you're improving the fertility, your chances of becoming pregnant you can work with a naturopath throughout that process to make sure that you enjoy the pregnancy, that it is beautiful and, and easy, never easy through labor. Like it's good, you know, <laughs> as easy as it can be, but that your energy stays up, that you get the rest, that you're, you're fueled, that you don't have any of those symptoms and that you, um, you get, you stay in optimal health and you just enjoy the process because that's critical. I'd like to take a quick break now to let you know that today's show is sponsored by my book, Against Medical Advice. 
This book is a memoir and it tells the story of how I built my life back after suffering a stroke during my divorce. I discuss the nutritional, lifestyle, and mindset aspects that I put into practice to regain my health and rebuild my life. The book has been a labor of love, both writing it and publishing it, and I couldn't be more proud of it. Please pick up your copy from Amazon. For your very own signed copy, my email address is simone at simonegisandi.com. Oh, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd please consider leaving a review once you've read the book. And now, back to the show. Yes, and you touched on so many layers. It's so multi-layered, which obviously speaks to the to the need to work with a professional who has studied uh, hormones and and health in general, and how everything interfaces, how every single system in the body interfaces with the other systems to bring you to that level of vitality and health and optimum, um, I guess, performance in all areas of life. Uh, and I think that on some level, people really misunderstand how fertility and naturopathic uh, medicine actually interface with each other. But you really gave us such a such an amazing explanation of how you're able to dissect somebody's, I guess, hormonal levels, where they're at, and how those impact certain areas. Like, for example, what you said about the gentleman who would be sort of the perfect candidate for a heart attack at 50, even though in all respects, he seems to be very healthy. Uh, and the same thing with women. I mean, uh, just what you said, I, cause I always think that fertility and looking good and sexy and being able to perform are some of the bonuses that you get as a result of improving your health. So those yeah. are just a byproduct of how much you can get out of just uh, investing in your health in that regard. And you certainly spoke to the fact that you have uh, protocols in place that would help you identify all these things and you educate your patients as you go through these processes. Um, but I wanted to ask you because you, you said something uh, earlier about the uh, traditional Asian medicine that you studied in China. So you studied that and China is arguably one of the most populous countries in the world. What would you say are some of the principles or practices and traditions of that culture that has allowed them to grow their population so extensively? Things that we here in North America can put into practice uh, to some degree to be able to get to that level of health and fertility that they have enjoyed for so long. Yeah, well, I was in um, Hangzhou. Is Hangzhou is how you pronounce That's it? That's how you pronounce it. <laughs> Which you. is a beautiful city where it's uh, the West Lake area is there, and it actually is one of the former capitals of uh, of China. I learned this while, history while I was there, and it's the best place to go for green tea. Like the 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 tea from the West Lake region is phenomenal, and it's just so beautiful. It's it's just stunning. And when I was there, what I loved about it was the lifestyle. So every morning um, I would go out before I would um, be at the teaching hospital and everybody was outside practicing some form of martial art. And so I'd go for these, this wonderful walk by the West Lake and you would see people um, just out in the water, out in the parks, just practicing uh, some type of martial art or with the sword. And so they all started with that lifestyle piece, that movement piece. Everybody there has their own family recipes for, oh, if you get sick, you take this herb or you eat this food. There's um, a consciousness about the balance, the effect of food in terms of health and balancing out 
out the five flavors to help with the organ systems. So there's already that connection that is so conscious and prevalent in that society, which is amazing. So I think that's the first place that we start because there's this already this awareness of food and nutrition can be your medicine and using herbs and natural remedies like there's just remedies that have been passed down for generations so there's that mind body spirit piece because you're getting the exercise but you're getting that relaxation it's all outside and then there's also that piece of yeah you know everybody knows that these are the things that you just do for for health these are the herbs you take so that's a big key with respect to um, the traditional Chinese medicine. What I love about it is that it works on what's called five element theory and which kind of gets that concept of yin and yang together. So yin being the, the fluid, the feminine, yang being like the more masculine, the more energetic. And they link the cycle in different points of the, the menstrual cycle for women with yang phases and yin phases so when are you nourishing the body when are you adding energy into the body and so then they direct a lot of the herbs and the treatments um, around that particular first of all that everybody's an individual which again with naturopathic medicine you know everybody's treated differently there is no one standard you know formula that we give to everybody but you can go in and you can kind of say, where are the imbalances and how do we treat those in those particular moments? So there's protocols that are designed um, based on different potential uh, contributing factors from a, a, a five element theory. Um, you know, is there too much water? Is there not enough? Um, is there too much phlegm building up? And there's different acupuncture and herbal protocols that you can put together to work with moving that, that energy and flowing it. So again, it's that beautiful balance of, okay, you know, how, how do we optimize the body? How do we access the energy resources to, to help with this? So I love that. Yes, absolutely. Because it touches on so many aspects of life uh, and certainly looks at it as uh, holistic approach, which you spoke about earlier, and how the individual is treated more than just a specific uh, organ system or a specific system like the glandular system. And we look just at that to the exclusion of everything else. And we ignore the fact that the individual has a consciousness that's comprised of so many different elements. And it addresses each one of those. And that's so fascinating because it's certainly, and also the fact that it allowed everybody to be able to express all those elements of, uh, of the self, to be able to, um, to optimize their body through the movement, through the uh, traditional, I guess, and familial uh, protocols that they have as far as nutrition and herbal medicine, so on and so forth. Um, and as a naturopathic doctor who's obviously studied extensively, uh, what would you say is the one thing that people have to keep in mind when it comes to their fertility? What, what underrated tools are, let's say, indispensable for fertility success, uh, in your opinion, as a naturopathic doctor? That is a great question. And I, I'm going to tie it back to uh, a lot of my patients ask me, like, what's the one thing, the one thing that I can do that will get me these results? And usually that result is like, you know, living to 120, being able to windsurf, having vibrant energy and still having six pack abs, right? So, <laughs> you know, like be having it all right. So, and I always say, you know what, it's not one thing. 
It's the 10,000 little things you do on a daily basis that make the difference. And so, you know, a big, one of the big passions of mine as well that I've, I've shared with you and you've heard me talk about is how in our society right now, because of the modern practices of farming, processing foods, packaging foods, um, the chemicals, the dyes, the flavorings that we put in food, the sugar content in foods, we're not getting the nutrients, especially the micro minerals that we used to be. So we just don't have the building blocks we used to. This is part of why it's happening. So our body is actually, our, all of our bodies are actually being starved, even though we have enough food. Because, like, you know, again, how many people know for bone health, boron is, is a really great mineral for bone health. But how many people say on a daily basis, oh, I need to eat my radishes so I get my boron. I've got my boron for today. Like, you know, said no one ever, right? Yeah, so so when we start to take a look at a lot of the chronic degenerative diseases that are, are responsible for most of the deaths in, globally, cardiovascular disease, cancer, heart disease, you know, when we look at arthritis, when we look at diabetes, if you look at those micro minerals, those really tiny little minerals that we don't need a lot of that are now all missing in the foods, if you look at deficiencies of those diseases, you're going to see what they are. Cardiovascular disease, diabetes, you know, inability to use insulin, uh, accelerated aging. So you think you're eating healthy? I'm telling you, you're not. I'm telling you, there's something I can find. Trust me. You think you're eating healthy? I bet you're not. I bet if we looked at it, you're not getting the vitamins and minerals. So you're, you're actually starved for nutrition. I bet as well, you've got far more chemical exposure than you knew about. Um, the, you're being poisoned in the foods right now, especially with sugar. The sugar content of food is just unbelievable. And so people think that, oh, it's okay because it's cane sugar. Oh, it's okay because it's fruit sugar. It's okay because it's date sugar, suka nuts get rid of it all. It is all toxic. So one of the things that I like to tell a lot of my students is um, when you think of the word sugar, substitute the word cocaine, and you'll start to see this game really quickly, right? Because sugar is addictive. And that's why a lot of food companies are putting it into food products, right? Fat, salt, and sugar, magic weight gain combination makes you eat more. You are biologically hardwired to eat more, right? So when we take a look at the sugar content of food, if you start to substitute the word cocaine for that, oh, it's cane cocaine. So it's healthy. No, it's brown cocaine, right? It's fruit cocaine. It's that fruit is cocaine. so impactful. Wow. Oh, it's honey. Okay. It's crack. <laughs> so it, get it out of your system, but start reading labels and you will see they put it in everything. I've seen people put, I've seen food companies put sugar in hummus. I'm like, are you joking? Hummus. So being in Hawaii, I just went to, uh, I'm on Oahu and I went to the only macadamia nut farm on, on um, 
on Hawaii, on the, on this island yeah, of island. Oahu. And so I just ended up driving by it. And you, and if anybody knows me, macadamia nuts are like my, I, I'm so addicted. Like I'm just, I'm in love with them. I could, I could just go work on a macadamia nut farm and like die fat and happy. I'm like, that's it. That's, that's my goal in life now. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah. So I'm there and I'm so excited and I'm talking to the owner and she's this beautiful woman um, who uh, is indigenous and she actually wants to help uh, the uh, other indigenous Indigenous women and um, empower them. So she has in her farm, it's all uh, people who are females and Indigenous. I'm like, that's fantastic. Um, they're all local Native Hawaiian women. And so she's helping to support the economy. And she has this passion, you can tell, for the land and for nature. And we're having this great conversation about how um, colonialism and, and as, uh, as people kind of came at to the islands, they brought all of these other species and it's it's really um, wiped out a good portion of the local flora and fauna. And so we both had a passion for that um, herbal medicine and preserving the, the flora. And so as we were talking, I'm like trying the macadamia nuts. So she had tables of different flavors of macadamia nuts. So she probably had about I would say probably about 15 different flavors of macadamia nuts that she had. And she was so excited about it. Only two didn't have sugar in it. All the rest had cane wow. sugar. Wow. And it was, I was, I was in tears because people don't recognize how bad cane sugar is and how bad sugar is. So there was a, one that was plain that was like, had no, nothing on it, not even salt. And there was one that was just roasted with salt. And those are the only two flavors that I could get because every single other one that was flavored had some type of sugar in it. And especially when you mix sugar with fat, which is obviously macadamia. Sugar, are, fat, and salt. Yes. Terrible, and, terrible. For and can I tell you, she had a Kona coffee uh, coated macadamia nut. Do you know how bad I wanted to try that? <laughs> like, oh my God. She had a chocolate one and she had all these other like different flavors. And I'm just like, these are so beautiful. Can we just not have the sugar? Can we, why are you poisoning me? And do you realize, so this is the thing that people don't realize. Do you realize that you're actually poisoning these people that you're working with? You're poisoning the population. So I think initially it's the, it's that educational piece. Cause I think she comes from what you explained and the way you described there, she comes from such a good place in her heart to obviously help the indigenous community, especially women to help the economy there on the Island, to be able to provide everybody with such an amazing food because I love macadamia nuts myself. I remember when I was in Hawaii, um, so nothing intentional with no absolute, no intention to harm anybody or to do any, uh, anything that would be detrimental to anybody's health. Um, so it comes down to being able to be informed about what, uh, is there any component of health in sugar, which sugar is the healthiest? What do you have none. to sort of combine it with? Yes, exactly. Yeah. None. Yeah. Uh, especially because it's usually consumed in conjunction with so many other things. You spike that insulin. Maybe you could actually walk us through why that's the case, because I think that a lot of people feel that they need sugar and that's why it's so addictive. So they feel like, well, my body is asking for it. So why shouldn't I have, it's natural to want it and fruits are natural. And, um, 
a lot of the things that, you know, we see sugar in are natural, like dates, for example, extremely, uh, extremely, extremely sweet, a lot of sugar in them. So you spike that insulin and people don't understand that insulin is also a hormone, which throws off like as a domino effect, it throws off the rest of your hormonal balance, which puts you behind the eight ball when you're trying to conceive, especially. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for that too, because I've had so many of my patients come in over the years and they're so proud and they're like, oh, I made this wonderful dessert and it doesn't have any sugar and you're going to be so proud. It's going to be Dr. Val approved. And I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. What's in it? Because I love to share recipes. I love to eat. I, I just can't not eat. That's, that's just not me. So, and so I went and I love to eat and still maintain lean body fat percentages. So so I've, I've hacked that. So just, but very important in terms of the, a lot of the concepts of doing that and fertility are, are really closely linked. So they'll come in and they'll be so proud that they have this amazing recipe. And then I'll say, okay, great. What's in it? And they'll be like dates. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's, there's that's sugar. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not sugar-free or, you know, oats. Okay. Are they rolled oats because guess what <laughs> that just you might as well have eaten sugar oh I had a rice cake it was boring but it was healthy it's not healthy it's pure sugar you break it down so quick your rice krispies same thing you break it down so quick mini wheats they have sugar in it like right on it as a coating how are you telling me this is a healthy breakfast so I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around sugar but you're you're right anytime that you have so bodies are different right so some people um they do really well on a vegetarian type diet or a vegan diet some people need mediterranean some people need keto their bodies are going to be different so you have to work with someone who can kind of figure out that biochemistry but when the hormones are out of balance, you're actually going to have a harder time utilizing carbohydrates and sugars as a fuel source. So when you have something that turns into sugar quickly, it's going to cause the blood sugar levels to go up. It's going to cause the sugar to get into the bloodstream quick. It goes high. You get this insulin spike. When you get that insulin spike, then you get the sugar being pulled into the cells really quickly. So when the sugar is high in the bloodstream, it's gonna bump into things and cause damage. So there's a, a marker that we use for diabetics called hemoglobin A1C, which is a marker of the damage that sugar has done to your red blood cells because they've been, they, they've been going too high. So we can actually look at that. And I think that's important to look at for fertility because if it's damaging the red blood cells, it's damaging other tissues. So this is why diabetics, if their hemoglobin A1C levels are too high, if they're not managing their sugar, they'll get damage to the eyes, to the nerves, to the kidneys. Well, this will affect egg quality. This will affect the ovaries as well. This will affect your ability to conceive. So you get this sugar high, then you get the sugar crash. And usually at the sugar crash, that's when you get this low energy dip, your body starts to crave sugar. That's when you want it. And so then you go for the next hit, something that pops that sugar level up quick, and then you feel better. And then again, it's on to the next thing. So we really have to be mindful about balancing those, those blood sugar levels. And in fact, um, for women with a condition called polycystic ovaries, where they, they tend to have more of a challenge with blood sugar balance, um, one of the things that fertility clinics do almost automatically for those women is put them on a medication called metformin to balance out blood sugar levels. Well, do you need the medication? How about we do that with food? Because you could actually do that with food 
even if you have polycystic ovaries. So why be on a medication if you don't have to be? Let's kind of start with what's most gentle for the body first. Um, but again, for women who don't have polycystic ovaries, if they're living that high performance lifestyle, your blood sugar levels are going to be at issue. You're not utilizing them optimally. So we really have to take out all of the sugars. So I'm not advocating that we cut out, you know, all types of grains or all types of fruit, you know, during the pregnancy, um, or as you're working in and looking into moving into becoming pregnant, um, you don't have to go keto. I don't recommend keto, um, for women who have hormonal imbalances, who live that high performance lifestyle and who are looking to get pregnant. I, I don't because of the fact that for, for keto, it mimics, um, starvation in a way, right? You're in starvation mode. You don't, you have very low insulin levels, which is great. You've got glucagon, which is that anti-insulin, the opposite of insulin hormone. But I find for, for women who have that high performance lifestyle, whose hormones are already out of balance, I find if they do intermittent fasting and keto, it actually exacerbates that and makes that worse. That's been my clinical experience. So I don't recommend that at that point in time. So you, you do want to make sure that if you're going to have fruit, having something that is low glycemic index that you tolerate well, looking at the immune, how your immune system reacts to the different foods, that's going to be critical, making sure you minimize that those um, grains, the starchy vegetables, the fruit, and making sure that they're in balance, that's going to be the critical phase for healing. And really having someone dial in the foods, the vitamins, the minerals and nutrition, right to your body's biochemistry and DNA and where you are in space and time is critical. So you want to have someone who can take that deep dive and kind of say, okay, yeah, let's look at the hormones in a deeper way. Let's look at the, the thyroid in a deeper way. Let's make sure they're optimized. Let's also make sure that you're getting your vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, that you're digesting it, that you're absorbing it, and that you're utilizing them cellularly. You may have a higher requirement for different vitamins and minerals. So let's make sure we, we handle that and we, we take a look at that. And let's make sure we take a look at the immune system. And let's make sure we're not having any type of autoimmune condition here. But then also, how is your immune system working with the foods? You really have to look at all of those levels. And when you dial that in, then you can kind of get a sense of what's the percentage of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins you should be eating. You know, should you be more vegan or vegetarian? Are you estrogen dominant? Do you have too much progesterone? Do you have not enough testosterone? What's happening with, again, DHEA, that anti-aging hormone? How are we supporting? It, what it comes down to is how are we supporting the high-performance lifestyle? So as an overall, then I would say that it's important to make sure you manage that blood sugar. That's probably the overarching thing that is probably the most important factor to health, uh, to obviously to, uh, to fertility, to optimal health, to the ability to turn back the clock, if you will, <laughs> in the way that uh, aging sort of progresses. And uh, while we keep in mind that there isn't a uh, one size fits all diet, uh, for everybody, because we are all biochemists, biochemically unique. And that's why you dive in when you work with your patients, you dive into each individual person, so that you could see exactly what it is that makes them tick, whether they are, let's say, um, their body is more attuned to keto for whatever time and more attuned to vegetarian or vegan for however time to be able to, let's say, do a detox. So it goes much deeper than just, well, eat this diet and you're good to go and you'll be able to yeah. conceive no problem. 
So those are some of the steps that they should take. Look at the diet and, and how it sort of interfaces, what the foods that they eat interfaces with their system. Absolutely. And, you know, you made an interesting point because a lot of people say like, okay, well, you know, again, it's that what's the most important thing with treating fertility? What, or, oh, I love this question. What is the most important vitamin or mineral for my body? <laughs> I love answering that one. The answer to that question, what's the most important vitamin or mineral for my body is the one that's missing. Right. <laughs> right. Because okay. it, I, I, I tell this to my students all the time. When you're building bones, everybody knows calcium, magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin K. We're all doing that. We've got formulas for that. But who's looking at boron? Who's looking at strontium? Who's looking at silicon, right? But who's looking at strontium? If you're deficient in boron or strontium or copper, how are you going to know? Well, it's going to affect your bone health. So that becomes the most important mineral at that point in time. I'm so sure again, most people don't even know the, the, that term strontium. <laughs> no, no. And it, it, it's really important for bone health. So uh, calcium equals strong bones is actually a fantastic marketing for the milk marketing board, but it's not true. Mm -hmm. You can have all the calcium in the world, but if you don't have these other things, you're not putting it in the bones. Yeah, we've seen that uh, osteoporosis has remained, if not increased uh, throughout time yeah. while they were, they were uh, recommending, you know, an increase in calcium intake. Uh, yeah. So clearly that's not the path to take. Um, so one important question that I had for you, uh, especially because you've been working with women and hormonal health and, and couples that are trying to conceive, uh, what would you say that the biggest challenge is that the fertility industry is facing right now? And how is it being tackled? Or is it even being tackled at all? You know, I, the fertility industry is, um, is really exploding. And I, and I think that really it's fantastic that they're there, but the biggest problem is they're not treating the underlying issue that's causing the infertility. And so, you know, there's these wonderful um, clinics that are out there that there's these whole teams of people who just really want to help and really would love to see, because everybody who goes in, every, every single couple that comes in wanting to become pregnant or a single female, if you're a single female wanting to become pregnant, every woman who goes in, they want that, um, that, that baby and there it's a life and it's a family and there's so much emotion and, and spirit. It's, it's calling in a, a being into your body. That's a, it's a beautiful thing. And so people who work in the fertility industry, they, of course, they're going to feel that emotion and they're going to want that for you. But if there's areas of gaps that they don't know that they can't see, that aren't being addressed again, like the simple fact that we're all nutrient deficient, we're all starving now because we're not getting the right vitamins, minerals, and nutrients. If they don't know to look at that, if they don't know, hey, um, if you're go, 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 go all the time and your cortisol is an issue or your DHEA is an issue, this is gonna affect this and this is the fine tuning and we need to work on this area. Um, you know, If they're not looking in those areas, then you're gonna see again, the tragedy time after time after time where the, they're going to do the, the IVF and it's not going to hold. So, and then they're going to just say, well, it's just one of those things. So I think as a society, we're aging too fast 
That's that's what I see all the time because we are being starved for those micro minerals in particular. Um, we're just lacking in those those nutrients. And then at the same time, um, what we're also seeing is that the environment is so poisoned. And so when you look at anything that is plastic, when you look at everything, how things are packaged and wrapped, when you look at microwaves, when you look at um, the fact that uh, we have all of these chemicals in our foods um, and chemicals in our water supply, all of those chemicals are endocrine disruptors. They all prevent us from being pregnant. So, you know, we, used, we saw that we used to use plastics that were called BPA and they were in our bottles. And then we figured out, hey, this causes cancer. Oh, we've got to change. Well, now everything that's in plastic, all of the plastic water bottles that you're drinking from, it's BPB. It's, it's still the same. They're all endocrine disruptors. If you go out and you grab something quick at a, a let's say you go to a Subway, let's say you go to a McDonald's or, you know, you grab some fast food, the wrappers that they're wrapped in have some chemicals in it. And that absorbs actually into, there's some great studies showing that it absorbs into the food um, because of the heat. So rapidly absorbs into the food and then people eat that and that becomes an issue. Um, it affects their endocrine system. So, you know, you've got to look at the endocrine disruptors, the heavy metals that are toxic, the microplastics that are now in the environment and in our food chain. All of these things make a huge difference. And, and the fertility clinics are wonderful, but if we don't treat that, we're just going to have more and more of a problem and it's just, it's not going to hold. Yeah, because uh, one of the things that I was going to ask you is what are some of the hacks, but from what you're telling me is, and, and I remember learning from this, from you in school and from the other wonderful teachers that we had at CSNN, uh, some of the hacks are when you shop for anything, make sure it's not in plastic. So that's, that's an amazing hack. That's number one hack. So if you're going to look, let's say you go to a grocery store and you want to buy yourself water, buy something that's in a glass bottle. Uh, despite the fact that it's more expensive, but at least it's an investment in your health. So don't look at the expense, but look at the investment. So that's another hack or uh, look at foods that are whole and natural and as close to how mother nature made them rather than, you know, how long they've been processed and how many things have been added. Look at the list of ingredients in a food. Uh, what are the top three things? Those are the number one things that are in that particular product. So if sugar is within the top three, then you could bet that there's a lot of sugar in it. Um, so those are some of the things that people can do from what you're telling us yeah. that, uh, to be able to hack, to be able to be on a path to better health. And of course, work with, um, with experts such as yourself who dive deep into the, you know, like hormonal health and whether they have a good, uh, foundation nutritionally. Um, but another thing that I was going to ask you is, um, what is a common myth about fertility or naturopathic fertility treatments from what I gathered, but correct me if I'm wrong, is to always look at the underlying cause. Because a lot of times I think the allopathic industry especially looks more at sort of, let's see where you're at and let's deal with where you're at, but they don't look at where this came from, where you're at, where did it come from and what caused it? So am I correct in assuming that? Is that something that uh, is probably one of the most important things that we can do? Look at the underlying causes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where it gets into scope of practice. So medical doctors are trained very well for disease states, emergency, let's just get rid of the symptoms, let's get you back on the road. And so that's, that's what they're trained and designed to do. And they do a fantastic job doing it. 
So you go there, you get the assessment, you rule out anything and you go, great. Thank you so much. I don't have a disease. Or maybe you do. And your medical doctor says, yeah, here's the solution. Great. But what you want to find out, you're right, is saying, why did this happen in the first place? Because if you don't go back and treat that root cause, that underlying root cause, the symptoms are either going to come back or they're going to show up as a disease process somewhere else. So they're doing that underlying symptom. The reason is your body's out of balance and it's not optimal. And so you're getting degeneration happening in different areas. You're, you have an accelerated aging process. And so if you find the underlying root cause, you can treat that and then that stuff goes away. But if you don't treat the underlying root cause, it just comes back over and over and over again. And right now, um, SIBO is a very popular term, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. We used to call it candida, gut dysbiosis. It's got a lot of different names. The sexy name for it right now is SIBO. But I've seen time and time again, patients who go through these SIBO protocols where they're, you know, killing off the bad bacteria and they're eating a specific way. And, and then they're, you know, they're doing the protocols and then they go back to reintroducing the foods and they come off of those, those restrictive um, protocols and the SIBO comes back. And it's because they didn't do the deeper dive to find out why that happened. So I think that with fertility, it's the same thing. We can kind of say what systems are out of balance and that's fantastic. And we can support those systems to bring them back into balance. But if we don't find the underlying root cause, that's coming out of, that's going to come back. That's going to be out of balance again. So it's like banging your toe against a wall, keeping kicking your toe against the wall and saying, I'm going to take an aspirin uh, or, and expect myself or some turmeric and ginger. I'm going to do a turmeric and ginger shot and expect that to feel better. Well, no, you got to stop banging your toe against the wall. That, that, that'll really do the trick, right? Right. So that, actually, yeah. That underlying cause is always the, the golden rule to everything. You really want to find out what you're doing because even you might continue to do the very things that have caused that on an ongoing basis, because all you're looking at is just the symptoms. So you're just trying to take the symptoms away, but you're not, but you're continuing to sort of perpetuate what you've been sort of expressing in your body for such a long period of time. Uh, and that's unbeknownst to you. So you do need to work with individuals that are actually well-versed in that, uh, educated to find out what the root cause of something is so that they don't continue to do that. And of course, it comes down to education. Uh, before we close, Dr. Val, I was wondering if you can tell us about a patient that touched your heart, maybe somebody that you worked with, especially with regards to fertility and uh, optimal hormonal balance. And tell us a little bit about how this patient has changed your practice, you as a, as a doctor doctor, uh, some of the things that you learned from that experience. We would love to hear that. There's so many because for me, my patients are like my family. And so, you know, but, but now like when I look back very, um, very early on or earlier on in my career, I should say, um, I had this one, oh, there's a, actually a couple. Oh my gosh. Can I tell two stories? Yes, because, please. Absolutely. So there was this um, one woman who came in 
and she came in to get her health in check and, you know, we were working with her health and then um, she wanted to work with fertility. She wanted to become pregnant. And so we um, worked together to help her um, conceive. She became pregnant um, and then um, her son was born and she, and she brought him in just to be able to hold him in my arms was so touching and so beautiful. And then her parents ended up um, becoming patients and her sister ended up becoming a patient and her sister, I helped her sister um, give um, with for the fertility of the birth of her two children. So to be able to have that big family connection um, and to have, you know, to be kind of instead of just Dr. Val, be kind of like Auntie Val, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was so lovely. It was so beautiful because, you know, I just got to be able to, um, to work with them. And I actually have um, patients as well, a family that um, I had worked with um, for this one woman when she came in, when she was uh, a teenager uh, in her late teens and we started doing work together. And then her sister with her children came in and um, I got to treat them and her mom and got to know the whole family. And so as we were all working together, I was able to see that family grow. And so the middle daughter of the sister uh, actually is in med school right now. Oh, wow. I'm so proud and just got engaged. And so, you know, I'm able to, um, she was, you know, on the, on the phone with me going, um, well on zoom actually. And, and we were just in tears and she was sharing this with me. And so I, I get to be part of that family. And then the woman who was when she was 18, when she first came to, to uh, see me, she now has a family and she has two children. So to be able to watch that, to be part of that family, to watch them all grow, to be there through the heartaches, through the struggles and with fertility, as you guys know, with, you know, if you're going through IVF, um, your emotions are taking this ride because of the hormones and, and because it's, it's so close to your heart, right? So every time you're, you, um, do a treatment and then there's that excitement and that hope, but then you don't want to be disappointed, you know, the, the emotional rides through that, to have that comfort and, and security and, and someone who can not just be your doctor and your advocate, but also just be uh, just there for emotional support and, and just be like an extra part of your family. Um, I think that's, that's so critical. It really is the, um, the human piece of it, the emotional piece of it, and just seeing people, um, you know, spread that love and that joy because you will never touch more people um, in your life. You could have the best career, but your children are going to touch more people and raising a child properly um, is just, and with great love and affection is just the most important thing in the world. There's nothing, there's nothing better than, than that motherhood and uh, fatherhood and being that parent, nothing more important or yes. impactful in the world. So you, you're actually very modest, Dr. Val, but you, you obviously participated in this amazing creation of a human being by helping your patients optimize their health to be able to be healthy and provide, because the way that I look at it is um, obviously the mother provides the, the environment, like a, a home that baby obviously occupies for nine months and it's clean and it's conducive to health. And then you have a healthy baby. So you don't have to go through any sort of financial hardship or emotional hardship or trauma for that matter. Um, 
So you participated in having that, even that individual having a healthy baby with a healthy future ahead of them. So I think you're being very modest. You, you, you helped in so many ways and on so many levels. So this is the importance of working with individuals that are so invested and really do it from a, from a place of passion and from their heart to help them achieve that. Because like you said, uh, there is nothing more fulfilling than being able to be a parent and to be able to give your kids uh, a healthy life and opportunities for being able to thrive in their futures, in their respective futures. So thank you for that. So there you go. I wanted the listeners to hear how important it is to work with individuals, especially when you're choosing them and what role they play in um, on this journey towards parenthood and even beyond, because clearly you you are connected to your patients and, and the babies and uh, their families, their extended families. Um, so I have three last questions, Dr. Val, before sure. we end. And I ask all my, all my guests, what is the biggest takeaway that you hope the listeners can take from this particular show? First of all, that there's hope. Because I think the, the, the emotional piece as you're wanting to become pregnant um, is so huge. Um, there's so much love in your heart. There's so much wanting to bring this beautiful being into this world. And then at the same time, there's also that fear and what if, and the, uh, oh my gosh, if this is my fault and I can't, and it's the mind, the mind piece is so critical. The emotions to support yourself through that is, is so critical. You have to do it. Um, and the worst thing that can happen is if you feel like this is never going to happen for me and there's no hope. So definitely go out there and look and find answers and create a team around you that supports, honors and nurtures you on all levels, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. You have to have all of those bases covered. Um, I think the other thing that's really important on this journey is, again, to take the deep dive, to find the people that you can trust to create that team, but that are also going to be advocates for you to take that, that deeper dive. And then the other thing that I would say is once you do get pregnant, continue because that's, that's the third and most important piece. What's happening in the uterus when the baby is there, the foods that you're feeding it, your gut microbiome, so your, your gut health, all those little good bacteria, um, the state of your health, the state of your mind, your mental state, how much cortisol is in your system, all that affects the baby. And not just the baby's growth and development while, you're, while he or she is in the womb, but the baby's health as they get into their teens and into their adulthood. What we're seeing now is that the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, um, the gut uh, bacteria, uh, the state of the health of the gut bacteria and the emotional state of mom can, can contribute to uh, either good health or disease of that child when that child gets into adulthood. So things like obesity linked right back to mom's gut microbiome during pregnancy. Wow. ADD, so, ADHD, cortisol levels when mom was pregnant. Which is probably why we see that uh, things of that nature have become such an epidemic because we haven't paid attention to those important factors that play such a profound role. Uh, so there you guys and, have it. And how now would you know? know? 
exactly. <laughs> you need to work with experts that actually are able to give you that information and educate you on the things that play such a big role, not just for yourself, but also for the baby and for the baby's future, uh, for the baby's health, mental health and, and physical health, obviously. So um, sort of to segue into that, what uh, health model do you have that you would like to share with the listeners? Um, you know, I think for me, that my health model is always about um, really knowing where you are in space and time, and always looking at the body as an individual ecosystem and your own individual universe. Um, there's going to be times where you know you are going to need to shift. Um, there's no one right way of eating or one nutritional protocol or vitamin and mineral protocol that you should be doing for the rest of your life. So you always have to be tuning into your body, honoring, nurturing, and caring for it, for where it is and where you are in space and time, what's happening in your lifestyle, what's happening um, with your emotional state, with your physical state, with your spiritual state. But remembering that the whole thing thing is this beautiful journey of of self learning about yourself self-nurturing and self-love um and it's a beautiful wonderful journey about saying how do i want to be of service in the world how do i want to live my greatest potential and possibility not to be the best in the world but to be the best for the world how can i be the best that i can be and you can't do that if your health isn't optimal you can't do that well, you can probably if your health isn't optimal. I'm thinking of a few people that uh, that you know don't necessarily have optimum health, but still perform amazingly. Um, but if you're not fueling your body properly, you're not going to be able to to live that best life. Right. So you you get basically what you put into the body. The body gives back to you. It's sort of commensurate. Uh, you put in ten percent, you get out ten percent out of it. So it's always important to, to obviously put in 100% that's conducive to health. So you could get 100% of health from your body. And one last question, yeah, Dr. Val. Absolutely. What is one question that you wish I had asked you that uh, you would have liked to have answered? Oh, gosh. I don't think there's anything because I think we've covered a lot. I think you've asked uh, a lot of um, really brilliant questions. Um, so yeah, there's nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. Fantastic. Thank you. I'll take that as a very great compliment. Thank you so much for your time, uh, for all your wisdom, for all the information that you have uh, given to the listeners, for all the knowledge that you've transferred to the listeners, for all the uh, incredible stories that you've told us about the relationships you've had with your patients um, and certainly uh, would love to know how you can be reached uh, with regards to uh, anybody who's interested in becoming your patient, anybody who would be interested in learning more about how you would work with them fertility-wise or health-wise, um, where can you be found? Uh, online or in person? Uh, let us know so that our listeners can reach out to you or your office. Absolutely. So I have a website, which is uh, Dr. Val, uh, V-A-L, Frank, F-R-A-N-C.com. That's drvalfrank.com. Uh, I also have, uh, so you can book a fireside chat on there. Um, I also have uh, an email that you can get a hold of me, info at 
drvalfranc.com, drvalfranc.com. And uh, if you look on my website, there's also uh, a phone number. um, So you can always call the office and uh, get in touch with me at any time. Okay, fantastic. Anywhere on social media where you post any kind of little tidbits about health or things that you apply to yourself so that you can be, everybody can be as healthy as you are. Um, yeah, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, I am on Instagram and I am on Facebook. Uh, and that's at drval.com. Uh, drvalnd, uh, Dr. sorry, uh, at drvalnd. Dr. Val ND. Fantastic. Well, once again, thank you so much, Dr. Val. We really appreciate the time you took from your amazing surroundings in Oahu, Hawaii to join us and to let us know what we can do to address our health issues so that we can optimize our bodies for fertility and for conception. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning to The Confidential. We hope you enjoyed the episode and found it interesting and informative. Please subscribe to the show to receive notifications when new episodes are released. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at The Confidential Podcast to stay up to date with all things related to the show. We appreciate your support and welcome any feedback you may have. Until next time, stay curious and keep on learning. Thank you for listening.